and welcome to another episode of This Week in Mormons International Edition. Woo-hoo. My name is Georgia and I am joined here by the Daniels. The Daniels. Hey. <laughs> so we've got the, the two Daniels here, one from the UK and one from the US. And I am now back in the United Kingdom having come back from Australia. So unfortunately, last month I was unavailable because I was sick uh, in Australia. But this month, we're back, the three of us, which is that would have been so would have been so great to have three continents at the same time, like eight hours apart from each other. But we're making up for that now. Great to see you, Georgia. We were so excited. We were going yeah. to have three continents, three different time zones. But unfortunately, I ruined the plan. But never mind. There's always next year. <laughs> life is life. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. You didn't ruin anything. It was just, you know, like life, life behaves like that. You never know what to expect. It is what it is. So I just wanted to start this week by saying that the three of us will be regular international edition hosts, and we record Mm. about once a month to once every six weeks. And then we've got some some other hosts. We've got Matt and Melissa, the twin siblings. We've got Ariane and Tiffany, who are the twin sisters. And then we've got the Taffy edition, which is Tiffany and Friends for Use. There are four different editions of twin that you have to look forward to every approximately every month or so and we are the international edition and what a week hey yes what a week what a week for international news particularly you that you're in the the uk actually i mean i would say that this this has been like a very historic week for you guys so so probably to give the listeners a little bit of context yeah a little bit of context we're recording at what is 7 p.m ish uk time uh on Today, Friday, the the eighth of December. So, literally two hours ago, the news broke of Elder Patrick Kieran uh, from the presidency of the Seventy, no more, um, being announced to become uh, an apostle, a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So, in a way, it, it, I've never felt like as breaking news uh, as much as now. Like we're literally breaking the news to the twin audience, and um, well. I'm going to put the feelers out there. What do you guys think? Uh, it's still very, very soon to process. I mean, first of all, I would say that I love the fact that he's not uh, a native from Utah. That's something that, that <laughs> straight, connects straight us as, 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 as internationals. So I, I love that. That He's also not a, like the traditional kind of member of the church, like uh, ancestors that are members for generations, right? He's a convert. Um, and I think those are, for me, are, are very, very relevant components of, of someone that is out of the bubble, right? Someone that is not the traditional kind of uh, church member. And and obviously his personal experiences will, will, will bring out more diversity probably in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. But most importantly, um, for me, someone that is particularly unexpected, I've heard about him before i've read some of some of his talks and i really like his like you know way uh but i I don't know much about him so i don't know if you can help me around and and get into a little bit about let's let's crowdsource some knowledge from our experiences with other kieran if we have any also here um a, a quick uh reference to the uh church news uh news release announcement it says that he was called on Thursday, Thursday, December 7th, so mm-hmm. yesterday, and ordained later that day, mm-hmm. today, uh, by uh, President Nelson. 
and other members of the pres- of the first presidency. So this actually happened yesterday. We found out today. And today. the news has broken today. Yeah. I mean, I cannot explain my feelings towards this as someone who lives in the United Kingdom. So How does if it you'll feel? let yeah, me yeah. just tell a few quick stories. So Elder Kieran actually served as the stake president in, in Bristol stake. And that's where I was baptized into the church. So really? he wasn't stake president while I was there, but everyone around me had him as their stake president. And he visited on an occasion and people just speak so highly of him. So in the last hour, my social media has just blown up with all of these people sharing this news saying, we love this man. He is wonderful. We are so excited. And it just feels amazing to have (laughs) someone from the UK be called as an apostle. I am buzzing to say the (laughs) least. And if you'll let me uh, tell a brief story. So I can't remember if it was when I was a member of the church already or whether I was looking into the church but the missionaries who taught me amazing people elder and sister priests love them spoke to them today when the news broke um they heard that elder Kieran was going to be talking in London in Hyde Park and to set the context this is about a two-hour train from Bristol and we're living in Bristol at the time and they said to me Georgia I really think you should get on a train and you should go and hear this guy speak. Like you've got this opportunity, this sort of open invite for people to go and listen to him speak. I I think you should, you should go. It was a devotional or something like that. And at that point I hadn't been in the church long enough to really cotton on to what that meant or what it would be. So I remember being very, very reluctant to give up an evening to traipse into London. I remember it was winter, it was cold. And I was just thinking, I really don't want to do this, but they were really persistent. I seem to remember this senior missionary couple packed me a pack lunch and got on the train with me. I think they even bought my train ticket. They were so keen for me to go. And we got on the train from Bristol to London. And then we went to the Hyde Park Chapel, which is where the, where he was speaking. And this whole time I'm still kind of like, well, you know, what, what's going what on? What am I here? doing and here? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I still didn't really get it. Anyway, hundreds of people there, absolutely packed. I'm sitting there. And I remember turning round and looking behind me and I just saw this man and I'd, I'd never seen a picture of him. I didn't know who he was. And in an instant, I knew it was Elder Kieran and I just had this powerful experience, which said to me, you need to listen to what he has to say. And I actually went downstairs about an hour ago when I, when I heard the news and I tried to find my journal from that evening because I was really interested in in what he said and I cannot find notes from that evening so I'm led to believe one of two things either I just have lost the notes they're somewhere in the ether or I didn't make notes because I was feeling something and I didn't want to put pen to paper because I just wanted to feel and I think it was the latter so that was my first experience of him yeah to just to just let that feeling kind of I do remember the feeling. I remember, you know, sometimes when the talk is so good that you just grip onto every single word. I remember it being like that. And then I've met him on another couple of occasions and it's always felt the same. I've always gripped onto his words and it's the same in general conference. So I am just beyond excited to have heard the news. When he was called into the presidency of the 70, I was very, very excited because I knew we'd be hearing from him more at general conference and and whatnot. But 
Now he's actually been called into the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. We're going to have an opportunity to listen to him every conference. I am incredibly excited. I'm excited for the diversity, which finally seems to be coming into the sort of senior church leadership. I know we've had um, Elder Uchtdorf for a long time, and, and he's German. But to have someone from the UK be called, I just cannot reiterate enough how truly excited I am. And then those personal experiences as well just mean mean an awful lot to me. So can you tell that I'm excited? Oh, of course. And and we couldn't have had a better week, I guess, to, to host the show, especially with you being available, because uh, to me, it feels a little bit, apologies for the secular reference, but I've always, uh, I'm a big international football fan. By football, I mean soccer for our US listeners. And I always want wanted to be in a country where a World Cup is being played or where the, the country that I'm living in is, um, you know, playing the final game, potentially winning the World Cup. I'm from Chile, unfortunately. We've had a, f a, f a few good years, but not recently. So I'm not going to get it through Chile, most likely. But I was <laughs> here in the UK for the 2018 World Cup where they made it to the semifinals. And uh, I was, uh, you know, oh, like looking around to see how people were, were feeling this. Then a couple of years ago during COVID, uh, the UK, sorry, England reached the, the finals for the Euro 2020 and, and they lost the final in a penalty shootout. And I was like, oh, when am I going to feel that? Well, if I had to fill in the gap with something non-secular, now with something spiritual, this feels a little bit like that, like looking around and seeing yeah. like, like the likes of you, Georgia, or other messages that I've received and the reactions from, from people like, this is one of us. This is, you know, this is one that we've mingled with, that, that, that we've, you know, that shares our lived experiences. Like, I remember just to share a couple of my experiences with Elder Kieran, not that many and not as close or personal as the ones you've had, Georgia. But I, my, my the first experience I do remember is when he was actually called to the, to the uh, Quorum of the Seventy as a general authority. I don't remember the date, it would have been 2010. 2011. I don't remember exactly, but I I do remember because uh, I, I was reading through. I was like, oh, somebody from from England, you know, an international one. And I always kind of keep an eye out there for the international ones. And and I kind of got my, his name on my memory. And then he spoke later on. Uh, the talk that he gave, I believe it was in 2016, about uh, refugees. That was before I moved to the UK or around that time. Where that was a beautiful talk. To me, and I was talking to some of my, my, my mission friends earlier before the, the episode, it's probably my top one, and if not top one, top three talks of the last 10 years, uh, at least. It's, it's a fantastic talk that actually caught me off guard when it was given, because I was like, is this really an issue? What is he talking about? Because yeah. I, 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 was, like. I was experiencing the, the life of a, of a student, of an immigrant in the U.S. at that time. I was about to graduate from... From, from university. So I had that lived experience and we often, like there, the, the, the whole migration issue is very, very, very tricky. But but often in that, that context, rarely referred to as refugees, it feels like a far away type issue. Then I hear this talk, which was incredible. And I moved to the UK and I see that reality firsthand where much of the work that, that is done at the state level, even world level, has to do with helping asylum-seeking families and refugees that are literally among us in, 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 within our community, within our, our, our boundaries, and resonated a lot with me. And to me, and I'm closing with this, to me, it's a great display of why global voices within church leadership at any level, at every level if possible, uh, are so important because they do bring 
two things. One, that perspective that comes from a unique experience and sensitivity to the issues that were experienced on, on, on that place. And second, and this is more of a nice to have, but a very important nice to have, is that sense of representation that, that I was describing and that you're probably experiencing now, Georgia, uh, from many angles, not just the nationality or global angle. I think, Danny, you mentioned that he's a convert to the church. Yes. Uh, I don't know, fa uh, church fact checkers out there, if you can fact check me, but I have no memory of a convert apostle, at least in the modern restored church, maybe back in the early days. Of course, everybody, were, everybody, everybody was a convert, but I don't know when it would have been the last convert apostle somebody baptized during their adulthood that, that has served in the Quorum of the Twelve. And I find that super, super remarkable. Uh, because absolutely, again, I've um, I've had the opportunity to speak to him about it actually because we were both adult converts as well. I think there's a difference if you join the church when you're 10 or if you join the church when you're 20. And and people can correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but having um, had a conversation with him about it, he had lived a life before he joined the church outside of it, and I think that's hugely, hugely significant. And uh, similarly to you. Daniel, the um, the talk from 2016 hugely stuck out to me. I was living in Australia at the time, and I I remember a specific quote. He said, uh, "The Savior knows how it feels to be a refugee. He was one." And when he said that, it just it hit my heart in a way that a talk hadn't hit me before. And I remember listening back to that one over and over again, and and really feeling it. So I share that same opinion as yours that it that it truly did impact me that day. Yeah, I think w one of the interesting things also is that he was not a missionary, which is another very interesting thing. Um, in a church, you know, uh, I think when I was a kid, I, I, I used to look at the biographies of members of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and by that time, many of them that didn't go on a mission was because they were serving in the army or World War II kind of thing, right? I mean, so they were prevented from having the experience of, of a mis missionary service by giving this military service for two years or maybe more, right? But in the case of, of Elder Kieran, it's not the case. I mean, as I said before, he's a convert. Uh, he meets, uh, he gets to know about the church because of a personal experience living in the U.S., like in this, I don't know, probably this internship programs or exchange programs, study exchange programs. Um, then he gets home and then years later meets the missionaries and, and, and his life changes. So, From yeah. all these angles you're mentioning, I think is again, it's just another, you know, very powerful reminder that we believe in revelation, and no matter uh, why you are an active member of the church, it, it doesn't matter your your history, you know, it doesn't matter your pedigree, your historical, you know, background about. Uh, church relationship right uh you can you are called right because in a way you're called because the lord decides that you will be one of his uh, disciples on earth so uh, i i love that I, i love this feeling that um the one that is called is the one that is you know enabled to serve mm -hmm. and is the one that that is, is capable of, of is qualified because of this it's, it's called and not because your great-grandparents uh, are pioneers or because, you know, you serve a mission or you converted or, or you have this very specific story that biographically speaking, you know, uh, aligns with all the other members of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. I don't know, I don't know if, you, if you follow my, my, my train of thought here, but 
he was called again and i the, the this kind of uh, moments l- allow me to to consistently feel this uh confirmation that uh, people in church and callings in church are by revelation right and and no matter why you're here why you're you're willing to serve you can be called just because the lord wants you to uh represent him on earth so that's that's absolutely as we were talking i made a quick list here for those watching on youtube or on video um those that are just listening will will hear my list now but i was listing all of the firsts or at least the unconventional or things about elder curance calling and we've talked uh about a few so He's foreign. He's not from the U.S. and not from Utah, even if from the U.S. Uh, he's a convert. Uh, he's not a return missionary. Something that I noted here, he got baptized in 1987. He was born in 1961, I believe. He would have been 26 years old. And then he married in 1991. He would have been 30. So he was not married super young, <laughs> which is sometimes a stereotype, especially in higher density areas of the church where you know there's this big pressure or uh, getting married super young and, and, and things like that even having gone to BYU I've seen the, the experience of many feeling that they're 23 and it's too late to get married kind of thing so we're talking about somebody that got married deep into their young adulthood adulthood still like 30 still quite young but for many in the church, it might feel that he was quite old because of this uh, kind of uh, cultural expectation in, in many areas of the church. And the other one uh, is that he was called, oh, sorry, on that note, uh, President Nelson was called in, general. in 1984 as an apostle. Elder Kieran was not even a member of the church when President Nelson was called. He was probably roaming the streets of London or something as a, uh, as a non-church yes. member. Yeah. And I believe, fact check me if I'm wrong, Georgia, or if anybody knows, I do remember him saying that he ran into the, the Hyde Park, Park Chapel one day and he just walked in. He was like, what is this church? And he went in and that kind of initiated his contact with the church. I, I might be wrong, but I do remember him sharing something like that as part of his conversion experience. If I'm wrong, we're going to find out soon because there's going to be a lot coming out of his life. About well, his life. he, on his Wikipedia page, for what it's worth, I don't know whether that's an accurate source of information or not. <laughs> it says he was introduced to the church when he stayed with the Last Day Saint family in California. Two okay. years later, he met the missionaries in London and began learning about the church. Okay, but so that's maybe Wikipedia, I- so I don't know if we need to fact check that or not. Maybe I'm disseminating false information then, but 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 <laughs> if it's fact checked in the future and confirmed truth, true, uh, well, I'd be delighted to know. Um, and the last one that I would like to talk about, maybe you have others, is that he was uh, called and ordained, uh, set apart yesterday, and it was announced today. And guess what? It's not general conference; it's an off-cycle calling. Yes. So I was actually not expecting it because of. That uh, kind of compliance, not compliance, but the church is very good at abiding to tradition and to to patterns and predictability. And something that reinforced that to me, and we discussed it in our last episode when Elder Holland was called to be the acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve, even though uh, despite of his uh, health challenges, um, I always felt that that was an opportunity maybe to extend that assignment to somebody else and kind of break from tradition. But no, we, we did not break, and, and Elder Holland is the president. 
but in this case, we are breaking from tradition. To my knowledge, and I think we mentioned it on the episode as well, there's only been two apostles that have, in recent times, been called of cycle. And one of those is Elder Maxwell in 1981, I believe, or 82. Um, and the other one is Elder Holland, who, just like in this case, actually, he was called uh, right after President Benson passed away and then President Hunter during, during his short tenure within the first few days after that. Uh, he announced, or they announced that Elder Holland had been called, and then he was sustained in conference in the coming in the upcoming conference. So this is a case that replicates that of Elder Holland almost thirty years ago. I think that was in nineteen ninety four. So yeah, breaking from tradition, which my opinion you might might think otherwise. I think it, it, it's good because tradition is great and it serves a purpose, but at the same time, flexibility does. I, I don't know if any of you has any speculation or thoughts as to why. This might have been an off-cycle calling. Any thoughts on that? Maybe he was just ready. You know, maybe it was just the right time. Who knows? I mean, absolutely. And and I would take it from a more secular, practical perspective. Uh, President Nelson is an action man, right? He doesn't want to delay things, you know. He, he doesn't want things to take time and adjustments uh, i don't know i'm just remembering when when he reminded us of the name of the church and, and the importance of it and how they changed everything and then they placed the new logo of the church everywhere and then they changed web pages and whatnot right yeah. so he did it and and he said it doesn't matter right it's this is the name of the church and we have to do it so my take on this is that decisions need to be made and they need to be made soon Right, because the church continues yeah. its, its work and then things continue happening and then therefore there's no reason to wait, right? Yeah, I mean, 12 can do more than 11 for a few months, right? <laughs> that yes. That's a, a good take. My take, probably maybe a, a bit more, not cynical take, but more of a realistic, realistic take. What came to mind when I saw it was President Nelson wants to extend this calling. Well, probably, you know, we believe in, we sustain it as a prophet. So we do believe, and I do believe, and, and stand by the fact that it's a prophetic calling, right? But from a practical point of view, uh, I wonder how he might feel about his time, the time he has left. He's almost 100 years old and probably waiting till April to announce and get this change made. Probably he felt prompted to, you know, what has to happen now. And uh, I don't know. I don't know the inner workings of, you know, between God and his prophet. But uh, that came to my mind. And I hope, uh, well, uh, I hope it's not a sign of something to come, right? It's very easy to to go and speculate about those things. But um, I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, can I say just one last thing? And more of a question for Danny. Uh, and sure, also, sure. Georgia, feel free to pitch in. There was, uh, among the Spanish-speaking community, especially within Latin America, I think there were high hopes. That I think it's a righteous hope, even though we do hear people saying, oh, you should just accept whoever is called and, you know, it's perfect. Yes, yes, 100%. That, that, that's right. But I believe there's nothing unrighteous about having a well-intended expectation and desire to, to see somebody you relate to represented in, 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 in such an important capacity. And... Uh, I think many had an expectation that a Sp native Spanish speaker, somebody from Latin America, uh, Spanish-speaking Latin America, Elder Suarez speaks Span uh, Portuguese, he's from Portuguese-speaking uh, Latin America, uh, that somebody from that background will be called. Because at the moment, the, the demographic 
the non-majority demographic that is mo most represented amongst the church in general and also within the 70 would be Spanish speakers, people from, from Mexico, South America, elsewhere. Uh, and we might need to wait <laughs> well, till that happens. Um, do you sense something similar, Danny? How do you process that? Uh, any, any, any thoughts? I mean, I think it's it's on everyone's you know best intentions that he, someone from Latin America is called. However, again, I, I, my, my my first take is that it will also I don't know the first Lamanite you know apostle or something like that you know <laughs> like the first thinking behind it. It's it's a funny thinking you know, but it will do be kind of you know like groundbreaking you know like I mean having a Lamanite apostle. And we say this, Georgia, because, I mean, we're, we're mostly, you know, Native Americans yeah. in our heritage, you know, like, I mean, our, I our blood a, and our... We haven't yeah. done a 23 and me, but if we did it, yeah, it would come out. Yeah, most, most of, what, of what is our blood component is, you know, you know Native American. So it, it would be, again, very interesting and probably older members of the church will be like, you know expecting about a Lamanite apostle, right? That, that Again, probably funny, but but actually kind of making people think about, I don't know, legends or, or whatever, right? So, but but I think at the same time, um, I don't think it's that simple, you know? I mean, there's also this uh, language barrier and, and, and whether we like it or not, that language barrier can be quite of a thing. And, 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 and I've seen it firsthand. I consider myself someone that is capable of, of you know, uh, of hosting a, a podcast in English, <laughs> of hosting a, 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 podcast, a podcast and everything. But still, it's not the same. The, the, the way you you understand things, the way you 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 process things, and the way you communicate is is different. I'm not saying that is not going to happen, but what I'm saying is that um, again, an apostle is a man of action, right? Is is someone yeah, that but needs to go? I think that go... would be more reason to call someone who is native Spanish speaking, right? Because we need diversity. We need different voices, literally, you know. Uh, I, I mean, Andrew be... Suarez is capable of doing both, actually. He's, he's capable of speaking in Spanish and Portuguese, which yeah. is, and, and English, of course. So, I mean, this more, he's more than capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying there's no one that can do it. I'm just, my, my, my perception is that there are not many, uh, you know, Capable like the, of reaching all these odd audiences, right? It's like in, the hurdle in, might be a bit, bit harder to pass, kind of thing. Yes, yes, yeah. I, I think that well, just as you said before, that whom the Lord calls, the Lord qualifies. I think that's from President Monson. But but yeah, I, I still look for patiently. I know that for some people they might feel a bit disappointed because you know we're adding to the white male uh, pool representation. But speaking as a non-white male. I cannot think of anybody that I'm. I would be more thrilled to contribute to that statistic of another white male than Elder Kieran in this case, based on my experience and based on everything that we just discussed. So, us Latin Americans, we can wait. You know, the, the Lord's timing will 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 do it, its magic, uh, its miracles, and uh, I'm I'm thrilled uh, about this. Well, I, I think we've talked for long enough on that one. It, it's a very exciting piece of news, so I'm glad that we've given it good coverage. But I think that we will we will have to move on. And I, I believe Daniel Yanez um, at this point will gracefully dip out due to a family commitment. So That is true. Uh, Thank you very much Daniel, for Daniel, having F me. And I will, will continue on. Thank you very so much, Daniel. Danny. Let, 
Yeah, thank Enjoy. you, Daniel, for, for giving up your, your evening. No problem. So let's continue on. So we've we had the Christmas devotional last Sunday in Utah, which was in the middle of the night in the UK. So it's often quite hard for us to to tune in in the UK real time. But we've been what, catching what, up. What over time the is in real time, Georgia? What time is in real time? 1 a.m. is when 1 a.m. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little bit hard to catch. I, I think one year when I had a young baby, I managed to catch it because I was awake in the middle of the night. But typically yes. I'm not awake in the middle of the night. So uh, why don't you give us a rundown of that? Uh, Danny, I mean, it was a. I think they're very lovely experience, but by itself, uh, I, I used to watch it in a in a in a su- almost summer setting, right? So it was particularly different from from what you expect. And what 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 happens in the last year and this year for me is that it's cold outside. It's dark. Um, I'm two hours away from Utah, so they they broadcasted live at 6 p.m. It's 8 p.m. Uh, New York time. So it is quite of a, an interesting experience uh, to, to kind of feel this vibe of snow, you know, and like hot chocolate kind of Christmas and, and this devotional. I always felt it was like very warm in terms of, you know, the space. And, and back in my home country, uh, it will be kind of nonsense to think about being cold right by the time this this is happening so uh, th- th- that is initially from my personal experience but more more specifically uh about the talks about the 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 sessions i would say that one of the most uh significant talks was um from elder gong elder gong talked about um uh, Remembering the importance of, of of Jesus Christ's birth, and he showed some images about uh, different mangers that he had in his different experiences living abroad, and 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 how being a member of the church has allowed him to to get to know people from different countries and and having uh, different portrayals of of the nativity, right? And and I think that's. Another interesting peek about uh, how um, Christianity, you know, has permeated uh, worldwide, and how we perceive nativity in a kind of a, with a different lens, and 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 when we think about um, Jesus Christ, and when we think about uh, his birth, um, I think all of us have a different picture of how that looks like. And and I, I, I don't know about you, but but I always think of, a, of this nativity picture in a warm summer, right? And I, I think of, of uh, Joseph and Mary kind of desperate and, and kind of maybe thirsty. And, and this images, uh, Elder Gong, uh, while he was talking, were... were, were, were shown in in the broadcast as i said before were, were very interesting and then uh one funny thing was that uh they were uh, elder gong was sharing that his first christmas outside the u.s was in in his graduate studies and they were very in poor. england so, yeah in england so uh his wife uh i think prepared um kind of um a small, you know, 
figurine. Ornament. For, it was, yeah, yes. Oh, for the Christmas yeah. tree, oh, yes. For the Christmas tree. And and something that was uh, funny is that that tradition permeated his family. So then his children have this also this ornaments, and then they made their own ornaments with, with missionaries in their Christmas tree. And I don't know. I, I think Christmas is an opportunity for families to, you know, to establish their own traditions about the purpose we're celebrating Christmas. Okay. And, and yeah. I think he wanted to go into that direction too. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter how you celebrate it. We're, we all gather for the purpose of remembering him, right? Or remembering his birth and remembering uh, his life and, and the importance of his, of his life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just, just sort of more on that, really, um, I wanted to talk about what the, the twin siblings, Matt and Melissa, talked about last week uh, and put a little sort of global microscope on it. So we uh, had the, in New York City, the Light the World campaign where they put the nativity on billboards in New York City. And it was discussed in, in last week's episode. But I just wanted to add that it's it's incredible, really, that Christmas, and it just reminded me that Christmas is a time where you're sort of allowed to talk about religion. It feels like maybe one of two times in the year where you're allowed to talk about religion in, in a place where people aren't necessarily religious, the other time being Easter, Although Easter now is is kind of about the chocolate for a lot of people and people have forgotten yes. it's about the saviour. Same with Christmas, really. But I feel like it's yeah. it's one one time where we can actually talk about things like the nativity story and and the gospels which which have the, the Christmas story in them and people don't get offended because Exactly. Yes. At least over here in the UK, people just yeah, sure. do not want to talk about Jesus. You know, it's just not a popular topic. But Christmas is very, very popular. So it's an opportunity for a lot of people to to get more involved and, and to maybe feel things that they don't usually feel. For me, I remember I became a Christian on Christmas Eve. I remember that when I was oh, wow. when I was young, I made that decision. I wasn't um, part of this church, but I, I became a Christian on Christmas Eve because I think there's sort of a special spirit around. The other thing is it's the, the one time of the year where my mum will play hymns in her house because she's not um a practicing christian but she'll put on you know um Heart just the because it's, the, it's and, the season yes it's because of the season yes of the year yeah yeah joy to the world silent night away in a manger all of those songs she loves and i think non-religious people love as well so i think it, it can just be a very very special time where we can share aspects of our faith that maybe we don't usually share and where people are a little bit more open and a little bit less uh, hesitant to enter into discussions about faith and about religion. There were some other two talks that I think are, are reasonable just to mention. One is from Sister Tracy Browning. She's the second counselor of the primary general presidency. Um, and I think I, I think we, we've already mentioned this, but I like the fact that um, more diverse voices are also present in, in, in relevant, you know, sessions or traditional sessions in the church. And I think that that is also a lovely thing to, to see. And Elder Paul B. Johnson from the presidency of the 70, he also shared something and, and it touched my heart uh, because he, he talked about one of his daughters that uh, was suffering from, from a severe case of cancer 
she later died, but he shared some of his experiences with her and some of her uh, notes uh, during the, the the season, during the, the the Christmas season. And again, uh, sharing those very personal stories, I think, um, allows us the, the the audience to to feel closer to to the people that are sharing their stories and their experiences about Christmas, about Christ. And, and it's also an opportunity to understand that they're all human. You know, I mean, it's it's like thinking about, um, we were just talking about Elder Kirion and how he was like another member of a stake of a word, a uh, friend of people that you know, that you met, right? Um, in a way, when you hear this very human experiences uh, in, 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 in this, this sessions, uh, it's also a, a way to understand that uh, our leaders, are also people like us, right? That that are here on Earth to have this mortal experience, to learn from from the lessons uh, the Lord wants us to learn, and 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 going through very powerful spiritual experiences, but also very challenging and and and, and yeah. difficult life experiences. Yes. Yeah, I think I have two comments to add to that. I do remember the the Elder Johnson talk. And actually, I, I wish that in a way there could be a trigger warning on some talks because I did find that talk very triggering and very difficult. And I ended up having to stop listening to it because it was just a painful topic for me. Um, but the other thing that uh, I wanted to mention was the fact that President Nelson was actually there. You know, I, I didn't know if he would be able to attend the Christmas devotional at all. I wasn't sure what his health was like. I know that he's on, he's returning to his his duties. And just to finish on um, that news item, I have a, a quote. So it goes along with what you were saying about how human these people are and how they share their, their true life experiences. Uh, alluding to a recent back injury that has kept him at home to heal and recover, President Nelson said, during the past few months, I've learned a lot more about pain and its refining influence. My heart has been drawn out to our saviour as I have tried to imagine the extent of his suffering. In the most supreme act of compassion that defies mortal understanding or description, the saviour submitted himself to unparalleled spiritual and physical agony. So President Nelson just giving a nod there to the difficulties that he's been facing over the last couple of months and and the challenges that he's been going through. But overall, I mean, the, the Christmas devotional, I feel like, is always a, a good thing to watch. It always puts you into a good Christmas spirit. I think that's why it happens at the start of December rather than on Christmas Eve or something like that. They place it at the beginning of December to sort of set the tone for the rest of the season. Yes. Yes. And and and, and I've seen that uh, the season comes or turns very busy, very hectic with many things. I know school things, you know, uh, theater or, or, or Christmas devotionals in, in, in different locations. So I think it's just a wonderful opportunity when we're still, you know, getting ready for it right so we have this opportunity to see it and then to, to totally have a, more, a spiritual perspective you know for 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 the season so that i like that yeah to kind of give us that spiritual lens yeah well shall we move on yes yes there there's plenty to cover and i think we've been lingering into the the news that we've considered kind of critical uh, relevant to, to be discussed today but absolutely it's okay. it's well okay. let's yeah, let's let's just go for a few very quick news items then. So the church put out a uh, Latter-day Saints Around the World uh, 
news article yesterday and it talks about relief efforts in lots of different places Canada, Germany, Indonesia, Italy, Kenya, Korea, Mexico, Peru and Uganda so we won't have time to cover all of them but one that really stuck out to me actually was the the one in Canada which I found very interesting it says church donation helps feed Nova Scotians thanks to a 350,000 Canadian dollar donation from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints feed Nova Scotia will be able to provide more than 500,000 meals to food insecure homes in Nova Scotia. So these are not people who are homeless. These are people who have homes, but are finding it particularly difficult to put food on the table at the moment. And the executive director of Feed Nova Scotia said it brought tears, it brought us tears, it brought us, sorry, to tears for the impact that it will have on Nova Scotian communities and those who serve them. So just a really lovely news article there i mean there's there's so many things in korea people with physical disabilities blessed with blankets for winter in italy 60 members of the church cleaning up flood damage in turkey church honored for earthquake quake relief efforts and in uganda um lightning arresters which divert current from power lines during a lightning strike were installed at 30 primary schools thanks to the church's humanitarian services department so just so much stuff happening all around the world. I, I've not even covered all the countries. I, I think we, we lose track of how much the church has been able to help to the rest of the world or to the world in general, right? For the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years. I think um, it is okay uh, as Christians, right, uh, to, you know, uh, to not being open about how much the church because that would sound like uh, the church might be, you know, showing off how much it's helping. But at the same time, as, as members of the church, uh, it's always reasonable and good to know more of, in detail how the church is extending, you know, uh, its arms of, of aid and help to all of those communities or areas that are, are in need. And, and we do it as members of the church by, you know... Um, with our fast offering, but also I think uh, due to this opportunity of being a global church and then understanding more the specific needs of different communities, then it allows the church to provide a more more tailored, you know, more specific and and significant contribution to those communities that need uh, specific forms of help. So, So, and I remember Elder Arden, in the last uh, general conference, he was uh, devoting much of, 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 of his talk about it, about uh, allowing us to understand a little bit more how the church is, is helping uh, and it's in the effort of helping uh, a worldwide community of humans, right? Of people of the world that need help, no matter their religion, their, you know, their, their origin, right? Or whatnot. So I really love yeah, that. Yeah, Absolutely. And I mean, there are disadvantages to organized religion, but this certainly isn't one. This is a huge advantage, a huge positive that we do have such a a force, you know, for good in the world where we can go to different communities and different groups and make a positive impact. So lots happening around the world, not time to cover all of the all of the good things that have happened. But that was a nice article from the from a few days ago that was put out there. There's there's another one that I think also touches the UK 
and it's Elder Cook, right? Uh, yeah, and lots the Parliament. Of the, the that that's is, yeah. That's that's something else, right? I haven't heard that uh, an apostle has been in the Parliament before. I, I don't know what do you know about that, but uh, again, I I'm very happy that the church and leaders of the church are invited, you know, to spaces, more secular spaces where, where they can, you know, share our beliefs and, and what, what, what as members of the church we, we believe in. And, and I don't know, what, what, what are your takes on, on, on this, on, on having an apostle in the British parliament? Well, let's just go over why he was there to begin with. So he was there to, for, I believe, a celebration commemorating the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And he spoke at two London events. So I think it's just uh, a way to get more of a voice for the church in different places. At least that's my take on it anyway. In fact, uh, in parallel to this, on the other side of the world, uh, there was, for commemorating the same event, the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, there was uh, a member of the area president, the Pacific Area Presidency, uh, Elder Yagi. He also spoke at an event that commemorated uh, that Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So we've got this, this event in, in New Zealand, this event in London. They're both celebrating the same thing. And we've got two uh, people from the church represented uh, yeah, I I think it's good. I don't I don't know what it sets out to accomplish other than just magnifying the church on a global scale. I don't particularly know um, sort of the the background on on the whys of it. But interestingly, Elder Cook said, "I believe the United Kingdom has been at the forefront of extending respect, toleration, and legal protection for religious freedom to people of all faiths, not just Christians." And I love that. It's a big thing for Latter-day Saints, religious freedom, right? And it's something that that's actually what we, really... That's what we fight for, for everyone. Yes, that's that's one of yeah, the basic but I love it. Like, assumptions, yes. But I love it that we don't just fight for everyone to be a Latter-day Saint. We fight for Muslims to be Muslims. We fight for Sikhs to be Sikhs. We fight for Hindus to be Hindus. And and I actually really love that. It it's it's funny my perception versus reality because you know there's there's the book of mormon musical and and there are missionaries yes. who knock on doors and i think the perception of the church for an outsider is that we're a very pushy religion you know we're trying to get people to convert all the time but then once i actually joined the church i realized it was kind of the opposite i have never been in in a place where people have encouraged religious freedom have encouraged people of other faiths to live their faith in the way that they choose and it's part of our article of in the articles, articles of, faith, of faith right yes yes yeah, yeah but, but which is incredible as you said yeah as you said i think i've been i was always when i was younger i was always concerned that people will think that I, that we were pushy or we were you know trying to convert them or convince them of things and when I was a missionary, that was one of the most relevant things we learned. Like, we're not convincing everyone, sorry, anyone. We're, we're inviting them to meditate, to ponder, to read, and then to ask God, right? And that's that's the calling of a, mi- of, 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 of a missionary, is just invite others, you know, to, to listen, to read, to meditate, and to ask God, right? And, and sometimes people might misunderstand 
when you have, I don't know, ministering sisters or brothers that are visiting someone for years and years and years. But we do it because hopefully we love these people. And I say hopefully because you get to love people in time, you know, like, but by getting to know them better and by serving them. And so hopefully we get to love them. And because we love them, we want the best for them. And that's why this program should should work because we care about people. And because of it, we care about their temporal and spiritual, you know, um, yeah. circumstances. So. Yeah, I have so much to say on this. I I personally feel it is, you know, disclaimer, this is my personal opinion here and nobody else's opinion. I feel like missionary work needs a huge revamp because I think this sort of knocking on doors approach, at least in the UK, just has very, very limited success. And I think it, it makes people feel like we are pushy when in fact, just like you said, we're not out to convert anyone. In fact, we ca- we can't physically convert anyone. It has to be the spirit that does that. You know, it can't be us. So it, it's just interesting. Yeah, that perception versus reality of what I thought the church was and then what it actually is. And, and these events, you know, these proclaiming religious freedom events and religious liberty, it it just speaks that message, doesn't it? That we are going to let people believe whatever they want to believe. And and last week, I know I keep referring to to last week's podcast, but it just it hit me in, in a few ways. They they spoke about how uh, we need to do a better job of those who don't come to church anymore of of, of not having an awkwardness or a strange feeling. And for me, maybe it's because I'm a convert, but I've just never had a had an issue with people with my friends who have left the church, there have been lots of them. And I feel like I, I have a respect and I have a, uh, an appreciation of their journey in life. And I'm actually very curious. I, I have chats with them. I say, you know, what led you to going down that path? And for me, I am a practicing member of the church and, and that's the right decision for me at this time. And, and for them, it's a completely different decision, but I feel like, the only way in life for us to expand our horizons is to talk to people who don't believe the same things that we believe. I was listening to a podcast the other day and it said, you know, you need to follow people on Instagram who think completely differently to you because it's only by hearing other voices that you're going to help make your worldview less narrow and you're going to make you, you know, you're going to open up to, to more points of view and, and to understand people in a different way and a more tolerant way, ultimately. Yes, because if not, then the algorithm will, will pop you up with, only with information with, with this resonance box, you know, J- just the same mm-hmm. voices repeating the same ideas over and over and over and over again. I would like to to, to transition to, to another piece of, of news that is short, but I think is significant and connects with ministering. And it's Elder Renlund talking about uh, Elder Elder Holland's uh, recovery, right? And, well, and this was I on like Instagram, fact- right? He he put yes. something on Instagram. Yes, yes. Uh, he wrote something by saying, "By the by way of background, I have spent years visiting patients in hospitals. Many were critically ill, and I saw many die. The second time I accompanied President Ballard, President Holland was in critical condition." Adrenaline-like drugs were being used to support his circulation. He was virtually non-responsive. The physicians didn't know exactly what was wrong and had informed his children that the prognosis was extremely poor. I felt a sense of foreboding. So, again, this this is powerful. And I think 
in a way, we, we need to thank social media for this because in the past, we wouldn't get this um, very personal experiences, right? And in this case, we're talking about two apostles, right? And one, in a way, is ministering the other, right? So I, I consider that uh, this is a very personal experience that Elder Redland is willingly sharing to a wider audience, which is members of the church or whoever, right, who follows him, even non-members, right? And he's sharing what uh, he knew uh, about the the health conditions of Elder Holland and how he, and we can say it uh, openly, he miraculously, you know, recovered. And, and he was even called as a... Um, acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, right? While he was even recovering in, in, in the hospital. So uh, this is one of the things where, again, we need to thank social media for this to happen because we get we get to, to hear firsthand about these things because I don't think that Ensign or Leona will bring, I don't know, a message from Elder Renlund sharing this. These are uh, very personal experiences, and because of it, uh, it's just great that we have the chance to to hear from them firsthand, right? How they they they, they experience this and 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 how they share love. You know, they share love with, with, with their fellow members of the Quorum of Twelve Apostles. Uh, this men are, are are great men, and it's uh, my take now that I'm aging is that when you get older, it becomes more difficult to make new friends, but they are called. Uh, later in life, right, to, to this very challenging, very demanding calling. And then I have no doubts that they are friends there. Like, they're actually uh, good friends who want to learn from each other, who want to, you know, grow uh, while serving. And and when you read uh, Elder Renlund's words, you, you get the sensation that is he's really concerned about a friend. You know, more, more yeah. than a, an apostle or a fellow apostle or, uh, I, I don't know, a companion or, or, you know, someone that you know for a long time. He's honestly concerned as, as someone that loves another person. And Definitely. I, I think there's lots of interesting things from this. I mean, it's he goes into a lot of detail. You know, adrenaline-like yes. drugs were being used to yes. support his circulation. That's... That's yes, heavy that's stuff. I didn't, yes, I didn't. Stuff, yes. I didn't realize that was what was happening. I knew that he was very unwell, but I didn't. I didn't realize that he was that unwell. And yeah, just fascinating that it was it's Elder Renland who's revealed that information rather than Elder the Holland doctors. or President, <laughs> or, or yeah, yeah. or yeah, yeah, anyone else. But yeah, it it is it is lovely, and I enjoyed your your takeaways from that. So thank you for that. Should we move and on? And then we have. You have we have another that is related to President Nelson, and he was sharing uh, the release of a of a book where he shared the lessons he has learned in the last hundred years. I don't know. Yeah, how many so just people... to clarify this, I think the book was actually published last month, but Deseret News has just run a an article on it so that that's why we've picked it up as this week's news so i think the book was released at the beginning of november it's now the beginning of december but i suppose desert news is, is doing some publicity for the book or is trying to trying to make it more popular but i i found it very curious that our prophet would be 
an author and then at first it unsettled me a bit and then the more I thought about it the more I thought well why not he's got he's got stories to tell and he needs ways of telling those stories so why not write a book you know and and also having almost a hundred years then I mean being a hundred years old you get to collect lots of experiences a a good wealth of them and I don't know if I, I will be capable of writing a book and I'm reasonably younger than him so uh, another big round of applause for president nelson because i don't know publishing a book at your 100 years is not something that many people can can say right confidently that you share your memories and 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 the lessons learned in a 100 year life so i'm i'm looking forward to to have a, a chance to to read some of those pages and, and see what what lessons he gets to share with i think again a wider audience not i don't think it's only you know um written purposefully for members of the church but for all of those who want to get to know more a little bit about the president nelson's life but also about um what he has learned throughout his life and and again we're expecting him to be many more years with us but it's just great that he's been capable of, you know, uh, publishing a book and, and sharing um, his experiences. So, Yeah, so the book that. is called Heart of the Matter, What 100 Years of Living Have Taught Me. And this article from Desert News puts in seven lessons. We don't have time to go through all of them, but the link will be in the show notes. So Twim listeners, you can go and have a look and, and see what you think. But there's lots of interesting lessons in there. Uh, it, we need women who teach and model the doctrine of Christ is one of them. So there we go. Mm-hmm. There's a, a teaser for, for the book. And now we've all got to go and read it. That's, that's super nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've got time for one more piece of news this week. So if it's okay for me to choose it, Danny. Sure. Absolutely. Yes, please. There's there's one piece of news that I saw that I just really loved that I was hoping we would get time to cover. So uh, this this is actually a piece of, of US news, but we are international, so we can cover all countries and, and all topics. And the, the title of the article is Tactile Tour Helps People with Disabilities Experience the Orem Temple. So people with disabilities gather to fill the new temple's many patterns, textures, and shapes. So it's... Uh, an opportunity for for people to experience the temple in a new way, uh, which is really nice, I think. And, and so it's, Katie Steed. It's, oh, sorry. It's, it's very Katie interesting. Steed. Yeah, it's very. Yes. Katie Steed, Disability Specialist Manager for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, said records of tactile tours, special temple tours that allow people with disabilities to interact with sacred spaces in ways that are more accommodating to them actually go back decades. Uh, so this this isn't a new thing, but this is something which uh, is is available to church members if they need it. My experience in the East Coast of the U.S. is that um, visiting centers, you know, for I don't know the church restoration, uh, priesthood restoration site, or Palmyra and, and Hilcomora. They they have all sorts of accommodations, you know, for people with with uh, different you know disabilities. So I think it's just critical that we also understand, as as we've been very vocal about the importance of of understanding different 
perspectives as internationals, right? Also understanding that people with different needs will also have a specific, uh, you know, requirements when they're visiting these places. And and I think the church does a wonderful job uh, there. We can always do better and do more. That's that's for sure. But but I think this this article shows that uh, efforts are, are being made and then um, systems have been put in place in such a way that we can see more of these things happening in a more regular fashion, right? And w- we don't have to require them on a constant basis is something that is already in, in, in the best of, of, of the intentions in terms of, of the church, you know, having spaces and having opportunities for people to experience the full, you know, set of things while you, you maybe you, you cannot see or you cannot hear. Right. Uh, so I, I really find this yeah. a step forward, I would say. I think a step forward. I mean, it might just be a drop in the ocean, but at least it's a drop. You know, it's, it's something <laughs> and there's, there are many more drops to come, which eventually will, will make a difference. But at least it's something. It's nice that they're considering other, other opinions and other points of view. And I think it, our time is, is over. And, and we're kind of sad because this was a very nice um, episode and, and we really enjoyed sharing with you the latest news. So we hope you had a wonderful experience with us. Um, we really enjoyed this, this episode and I hope the best for, for this Christmas seasons. And I hope you can enjoy it with your families and, and friends and always think about someone that might need some of our help. I think it's always a good opportunity also to think about ways of helping others that for whatever reason cannot, you know, enjoy the seasons uh, the way sometimes we're allowed to, or, or we have the opportunity to. And yeah. um, all the best for you, Georgia. I hope uh, your family and, and everyone in, in your household are fine and you enjoy the a good Christmas spirit and, we're going to see Thank each other, you. I think, soon. We're going to see each other soon. We're going to prepare a special episode, I think, right? But, Absolutely. Uh, I so w- next I don't want to week, spoil, in fact. I don't want to spoil anything, but I think it's going to be very, very special. So uh, Absolutely. stay tuned. Look out next week. Stay tuned yes. for an exciting yes. episode next week. And to conclude, uh, we just encourage you to subscribe to This Week in Mormons on social media. So facebook.com forward slash This Week in Mormons and on Twitter. And if you have any feedback at all, please feel free to send that to contact at thisweekinmormons.com. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you have a lovely day. Bye. Bye. Bye.